Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Buery, and as always, I'm with earthquake historian, Dr. Lucy Jones. Today's episode is sponsored in part by SoCal Gas, who's committed to building resilience in the communities it serves. We also thank our individual supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Would you consider sponsoring this podcast for as little as $5 per month? Because your support enables us to serve more communities and help them get through it. Simply go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now let's get to it. As we start out the new year, people often make resolutions and to some degree predictions as to what will happen in the following 12 months. One question is, what are the natural hazard events that will shape us in 2022? As we look back at the last year and the year before and the year before that and the year before that, and we keep going back in history, we know that every year there's a natural disaster that shifts a community somewhere in the continental U.S. or beyond. So will we have a big earthquake in the U.S.? Will we have a major hurricane? Are we going to have that earthquake that we've been talking about for years? So Lucy, break it down. What's going to happen seismically for us this year in 2022? Don't I wish I could answer that one. Seismologists are happy to tell you about your earthquake risk. We are doing this solely from the principle that what has happened will happen again. That's it. So I can use the earthquake history of California and say there's a decent chance we will have a magnitude six this year somewhere in California because most years have one. But it could be in a location where very few people will care. I can also say there's a very good chance we will have a magnitude seven sometime in the next decade because, again, we usually see that. But if it runs through Death Valley, again, people won't really care. But if it's on the Hollywood fault, it will be devastating. What about this year? Don't you have data that can tell us more narrowly on this year? Now, again, we only have the information that what has happened will happen again. So I talk about a time frame where the rate of earthquakes is high enough to have that information. A year isn't enough time for any quake big enough for you to care about. I mean, I can tell you that we will record 50 to 100,000 earthquakes this year because those small earthquakes are much more common. But what I can't tell you is whether any of them will be big enough for it to really matter. And then fortunately, that's not what people want, right? They want to know what will happen this year. So Lucy, why are you keeping that information? Like how come you can tell us about nearly 100,000 earthquakes globally, but you can't tell us what's going to happen this year? You're sounding like the woman who once wrote to me and said, I know you can't tell me when the next earthquake's going to be, but will you tell me when your children go to visit out-of-town relatives? There's no question that people would rather believe we're lying than that we really don't know because not knowing makes it pretty scary. And the big issue is that although that rate is pretty constant, the timing of any individual event is random. You could try and think about it like we've got some big jar of all the earthquakes that could happen. And every day we pull out 50 of them. But the distribution of earthquakes is such that for every magnitude 7, we have 10 6s, 100 5s, 1,000 4s, 10,000 3s, 100,000 2s. So now we've got 100,000, you know, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1 number of balls in there. You go to pick it out, you're probably picking out that magnitude 2. And when you're going to actually pick out a magnitude 6, that just becomes really, really random. And of course, we don't like it, but think about it. That rate information, knowing what's coming, is actually the way in which we can efficiently build buildings that are going to survive. I'd rather have a building that doesn't fall down than two hours to get out of one that does. You just mentioned rates. So we have these rates and it's on this scale that you just described. How's that rate determined? 
Does the rate fluctuate the way that interest rates fluctuate or gas prices fluctuate based on the market? Or does the rate of earthquakes remain relatively the same? And how do we know that? Actually, you're hitting a pretty significant research question right now. There's one rate change that we all know about, which is when one earthquake happens, it makes others more likely. So when you see an aftershock sequence, the years we have a magnitude seven, we record a lot more earthquakes because we have a lot of aftershocks. Other rate changes are debated, but it's hard to tell whether or not it's a really significant change. You know, on the long run, plate tectonics continues, and that's the rate that we're going to have. And the way we know about it is because we have a seismic network. They don't record earthquakes directly. They record how the ground is moving at a particular site. An earthquake sends out waves that cause the ground to move, and we see the wave passing by a station. And we need at least four stations that get a big enough wave to see it to be able to calculate where it was. When we first started recording in Southern California, we had six stations all the way from San Diego to Owens Valley. So we had to have at least magnitude three before we could see the waves at enough stations. Back then, 100 years ago, we'd say the level of completeness was magnitude 3.5. We saw all the earthquakes that were at least 3.5 and some that were smaller. And you already said that we have a lot more smaller earthquakes. Right. So when we added a lot more stations, now we have hundreds of stations across California. Now we have a level of completeness of like magnitude 1.5. That all requires that network. And before we had the network, we have to use written records, you know, newspaper reports to try and figure out what we've had. So we've got the records from the stations, the seismic network for the last five or six decades. And then California history is even greater than that, right? Written history of California is about 250 years. So that means that we have a written record of about 200 years in addition to the seismic record of the network. Is 250 years enough? Unfortunately not. They're important, especially the mission records from the early periods, but it's not enough to know our risk because 250 years is not much on geologic time. So we need to turn to geology to understand what the history has been before we have written records. But geology has to be done on a site-by-site -site basis. We can't see all the big quakes. We can only see quakes that broke the Earth's surface and left the record. And it takes a lot of work to figure out what that record is telling us. For longer estimates, we can only talk about locations where we've actually gone into study. The last 45 years has seen an explosion in this information because of the development of something called paleoseismology. It's a type of geology. 45 years ago, a young graduate student named Carrie C. dug a trench across the San Andreas Fault near Palmdale and mapped out inch by inch exactly how the fault had offset some marsh sediments in previous earthquakes. And by dating those peats, Kerry was able to bracket the times when a quake must have happened. It happened after a marsh sediment was deposited with one date and it broke through that. It's covered by an unbroken one. It happened to have happened before that. So we bracket the times. But it's incredibly intensive work. Someone might do six months in the field, sitting in this hole in the ground, to get essentially one data point that an earthquake ruptured through that one point at some time. Kerry kept it up and he trained students who trained their students. And now we have a cadre of scientists who like to spend their time in a hole in the ground and are site by site creating a history of earthquakes in California to help us better predict what's coming. I know there's, you just said it, but I know there's no way to predict when the next earthquake will happen or where, though we know where they occur and the rate they occur. That's what we've continued to learn and hear from you. But ultimately it's all random. It could happen this year in 2022, the big one, a big one, a large one, but it also could not happen for another 10 years. It's been, what, 20 years since we had a really significant large earthquake in Southern California, at least? It's actually, in a few days, we will have the 28th anniversary of the Northridge earthquake. 
And that's the last time we did a lot of damage here in Southern California. And it's one of the longer gaps that we've gone between damaging earthquakes in LA. There will be another one. The chance of a big earthquake in Los Angeles is 100%. Just give us enough time. Well, we'll leave it there for now. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. 